everybody. My name is Jay Matta, and welcome to this amazing conversation we're about to have today with Lexa Rollins, the transition expert, founder of Spheres of Influence LLC, and host of Embracing Your Sphere of Influence. Lexa is a great speaker with a great message and a hope of inspiration for anyone going through a transition. So let's learn a little bit about her today before we bring her on. What do you say? So Lexa has over 25 years of communication and business experience in industries that range from the technical oil and gas industry to creativity of sales and marketing. She also holds a degree in both communications and international business. But so this is why she's doing the show. Let's talk about that for a minute. On July 7, 2013, Lexa had a near-fatal motorcycle accident and spent two months in the hospital. And the diagnosis was devastating with traumatic brain injuries. I mean, she's been through a lot, I mean, over all these years and just having to deal with all the grief and the depression and rediscovery and rewiring and all these re-re-re's and all that stuff, you know. And and, and it really took a village for to get an un, un, unending resilience there for her. Lexa is dedicated here to helping others who have experienced personal or business transitions, unexpected or planned or life-altering events, and she'll also guide you to creating a positive perspective towards your new goals and improved independent skills. Let's talk a little bit about the show. The show, what you're going to get when you listen to the show, and you want to get really super excited about this, everybody. Lex's own experience with her trauma has ignited a passion within her and, a, and her dedication to help others who are going through professional changes or life-altering events. And she's been there, she's got it, and she's got the t-shirt to prove it. I promise you on this one when you hear her. Be inspired <laughs> by diverse entrepreneurs on how they have used their sphere of influence to create life-changing results. And these diverse entrepreneurs are going to be on her show. So you're going to really love this here. So tune in. You know, go for the ride on this one. You're going to love this. Here we go. And let's bring on our good friend, Lexa Rollins. And Lexa, always good to talk to you again. And thank you for being here with me. Hi, Jay. Thank you so much. That was a great bio and a great introduction. I'm honored. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, it's, it's always such a, such a treat to connect with you. It really is. And to, and to hear your story. And, you. and, and I don't think you can hear enough of it. And the fact that you're doing this with other people and really taking this into a media format, I think it's just really amazing to really help people to help get to the other side of this. But, I, I, but if it's okay with you, I'd like to ask you some direct questions just so your audience We'll get a feel for who you are and what you went through. Is that okay? Yes, I would love that. Thank you. So your 25 years of communication and business experience in the industries and range from technical oil and gas marketing, you know, what exactly did you do? Oh, in the oil and gas business? Gosh, yeah. I was what they're, uh, what, I, what they're called is a petroleum landman. Yes, both men and women are called a landman. The industry still hasn't moved from that place but on the land side of it what we did is we would take large parcels of land that was distributed to us by the geologists and we would start by running title and that meant going to the courthouse where the land is located and we would run title from the U.S. patent to present so it's looking at every single document that has occurred since the 1800s. And we have to identify who the owners are for each parcel. So there are many order, uh, many owners, and it's a very complicated process. So we did a lot of that. Then we'd go and negotiate oil and gas leases uh, or other aspects that have to occur in order to drill a well. 
that becomes an arduous process. Uh, so, you know, the well's drilled, and then if you're, that would take travel, constant travel. When I wanted to stay in town, I would do what's called curative work, which after the well is drilled, we would get a title opinion from an attorney, and we have to cure the title or fix it, fix all the holes as much as possible so we could have cleaner title. We had to do due diligence work. There's many aspects of it, but a lot of it revolves around the legalities and all the aspects of the physical land surface and below so it's a detailed business yeah so how does this relate into the sales and marketing side of it tell us your experience related to that oh i had a blast um the oil and gas industry crashed in the 80s well for me i didn't leave till the early 19 1990s yeah 1990s it's so weird to say that um so i got we all got into different jobs in different arenas and I did some sales sales work, and, you know, it was no big deal. I was learning the process, but I was hired by Super Shuttle, Phoenix, and I had a great time doing that, and it allowed for a lot of creativity. I needed to do that because Super Shuttle was so big anyway, I needed to hit a higher number for ridership in Phoenix, and I was able to do that. By using some creative talents, I absolutely loved that job. I found some great success, and I didn't have a whole lot of sales training. I just went with my gut and my creativity, and I broke records and standards, so it was very cool. Good for you. Good for you. So, so I am really good for you on this one because I, I and that, that's such a, that's such a great thing when you go through these. Now, I want to also share with our audience. I want to let our audience know about this because there's a reason people do. You know, when people start doing shows and they start having conversations and really putting disseminating information, it's generally due to something that happened in their life. Is it because of this motorcycle accident that you feel like, you know, this is where, you know, you, you feel like you need to disseminate this information? I mean, is that, has that been the catalyst for you? I do, Jay. I totally find that this accident changed my life, of course. It was a riveting experience, and I've learned a lot about myself that I did not know. Uh, so it's allowed me to stand in a, in a new way. I've realigned with life in a new way, and I want to to work with others that are struggling doing that because it's not an easy process. It's one of the hardest things I've ever done. How's your how 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 did your life change? I mean, you went you went through two months in the hospital. I mean, you know, which is you know, there's no fun at all. Two days feel like it's two months. You know what I mean? And you went through <laughs> you know you went through two months. I mean, what was that? What what does that even look like for you? I mean, how, can you give us a perspective of that? Well, I think the first almost month it was twenty three days, I believe, was in, in intense care. So I don't remember. Uh, much about that. Uh, another couple weeks in the hospital, and then another month in rehab. Uh, so it was really getting my body back to work. So there was a lot of physical and occupational therapy just to learn how to walk walk again, how, how to get up small steps, how to get in and out of a car, uh, because I had you know quite a few broken bones and incurred 
in the hospital about six surgeries and had a couple more later. So it infected, uh, affected my body incredibly. I was, however, very healthy before this happened. So I believe that my, uh, rehab physically was, was a lot faster than if I had been a couch potato. But it's really affected my physical in that I just don't, can't use it the way I used to. Were you, when, when you went through this process and, and you went through this, and then if, I, if you don't mind me asking this, I mean, how, do, how were you able to cope? I mean, was, it, was there like suicidal tendencies there for you? I mean, how did you help, how did you help yourself get to the other side of this? Coping. That's a, a newly defined word for me. Uh, coping was difficult uh, due to the brain injury because there is this imbalance of emotion and language. I had a difficult time trying to understand what happened. And other aspects of life hit into that. Everything was so confusing and so difficult and so painful. So I did. I hit subtle moments, um, the closest I ever got, which was an amazing experience for me. Now looking back, I never want to go through that again. But I made it through. I think there's greater power in us than we know, and there's power from without, spirit, universe, whatever, that kind of helps you get through the really rough edges. So, But coping is something I had to learn to do. I had to reinvent that. I had to realign with life, with with my sense of God. It was a, a long, long process. Life did get better, and it did get smoother, but it took a long time, which is hard <laughs> for somebody as impatient as I am. <laughs> Go ahead. And, and all of us are, and all of us are impatient. I mean, we live in a fast food society, right? You know, exactly. and it's like we're always like, yes. you know, when is now? When is now? When is now? When is now? So it's like, you know, what, what, what was your turning point? I mean, what, what did, do, you, do you have a defining moment there that you can share with your audience that was like, you're saying, okay, I, Aha, uh-huh, like your aha uh-huh moment, like, okay, this is where I need to go now? It was a step-by-step process. It was mostly a mental process. I had to go through the emotions as they came up, which included a lot of grieving. But it took a long time to uncover it because everything changed. Everything that I believed in changed. Who I was, my personality changed. It was a really... It, it was very hard for me to accept that. That was the hard part. I think once I hit acceptance or beginning the process of acceptance, would I would call it a turning point. When I could accept life now as it is and not what it was. That, I, I'm a Taurus. I'm stubborn. I didn't want the reason this accident. So I made it hard on myself, but... That was part of my, so to be the turning point, I think. Are you a different lesson yeah. now? I mean, are you completely, I know, I know obviously you've gone through different scenarios, but are you, do you feel like you're a different Lexa than you were before that completely? I was for a while, uh, because the brain injury was so much more intense. They say that within four to five years, you start to see the brain recover a bit. And I have seen that in the last six, eight months. So I see portions of my personality come back, 
which I am very grateful for because I've been sunny and lively and I see pieces of that. Mm. I'm much more low-key. I don't process information as quick. I can be confused easily, which frustrates me. Uh, emotionally, I'm extremely sensitive, not like I was, but that has made me more of a compassionate person. Uh, much more humble. I'm a better listener. I can focus on people in a different way, in a deeper way. I have a deeper sense of self, which I didn't have before. I was part of the rush, 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 go, go, go. Now I seem to be more aware of what's around me and what's going on within me. So that that's very different. I'm a lot more humble, not quite so arrogant, which I think I was before. So it's, it's changed, but not completely. Parts are coming back. You know, I think that's, 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 that's human beings in general, isn't it? You know, you know, you, you go through this experience and I think every, I think, you know, you went through a physical brain, brain injury, um, with your, with your motorcycle accident. But I think that a, a lot of people, from my opinion, go through brain injuries along their lives. You know what I mean? In, in some capacity. And, and they're still having to go through these things and they don't realize that it's trauma. But you seem to have actually gone through a physical one that, that you, you have successfully overcome. And, and really taking this to a point of where you want to help other people and, and tell us, tell us what that would look like. So how do you, how do you see yourself helping other people and what would that look like and who would be the ideal people that you would want to look for to be able to say, here's how I can help you and here's how I can give you my hand and we can get to the other side of this. You know, AJ, you brought up a really important piece that I think any transition makes people look inward and it, it shakes the very foundation of what happens. So it, naturally, you feel like you've lost a piece of yourself. And I think they're meant to look inward. So when I do work with people, I want to work with the individual, whether it's business or personal. We have to look at something happened on the outside, so there's an impact that occurs on the inside. We have to look at what's changed what we've learned, what needs to happen, and identify a new way of doing business and life. And so for a lot of people, they don't get the help or they're able to trudge their way through the process. I want to be one of those guides that help people. So we do look at the individual pieces and, and what's occurred on the inside is vital to any business going forward. Right, So if you have a, a bit of bitterness over a transitional piece in your life or something that has happened to you that feels unfair and lousy will affect your life and your business. So it's really focusing on what's happening individually, working on healing that or building that back up, renewing and realigning with some of that. Then we get to the business piece and we continue that process throughout. It can be fun. So you're you're not angry. <laughs> you're not angry what happened. You look at you look at this as a turning point. I do, and that took time. You know, I've always had the belief that the universe does support us, and all things happen are for the good of all involved. That can be very difficult to find, very difficult. But I am now really able to start seeing the blessings 
of what happened because of it. And they're always there, but it's about digging deeper. And that's something a lot of people don't like doing, but it's necessary. Do you feel like, do you feel like at some point that, you know, you wish, you wish nothing would have happened? I'm obviously you probably wish you would never have the motorcycle accident, but do you feel like this is a blessing in disguise for you? I'm seeing that more and more, and I'm sure two years from now, I will see it in, in a much brighter way. Of course, I wish it didn't happen, but I can't help but think that I wouldn't learn some of the lessons that I've learned today. I wouldn't have the level of depth and understanding of myself. So that's so important to find out a little bit more of who I am, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? So it's been, you know, really a process of looking at how I lived my life. Um, never had to do that before. Didn't really care for it, <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's had some great benefits from it. So, yes and no. Of course, you know, right off, I prefer never to have had that happen. The brain injury will always keep me a bit more humbled. It has changed me with respect to how I work, um, even how I interact with people. It, it's changed. But uh, acceptance, it's just new and different. It's not horrible. I look fine. People don't see it. I know it's there. It's just about living a new and different life. And it's stepping into that, which really can be kind of exciting because it's like a whiteboard. I can begin to really pick and choose how I want this to go. And I've been doing that. So there's some blessings in that. Yeah. You know, you, you, you talked about the universe multiple times. Has that been the faith that you, or I shouldn't say the faith as much as like the belief system that you've drawn from? Like, there is some sort of guiding force that directs us on this or like when you talk about the universe, like, can you, can you help us understand your perspective of what the universe is doing? For me, it's always been about the universe, God, spirit, you know, everyone's got their different names. I've always been uh, motivated towards that. It got really shaky during this time. But you know, one thing I've learned I've learned that when you live more of a spiritual life, somehow you think that if I'm doing this, I won't have bad things happen. And bad things do happen to spiritual people as well. So that has really opened up a whole new insight for me about God universe that's still there. I just had something bad happen. And I got clobbered really hard, and let's see what can come of it. Because I still believe there has to be good that happens to people who get hit really hard. Bad things happen to good people. I've always seen that. I just didn't think it was ever going to happen to me. And it did. So what can I do to give back? What can I do to make it a little softer for somebody else? That's Really, all I want to do is help others. So beautiful how you say that. Do you feel like we're all in our truly connected? Like, do you feel like we're part of a, like, some sort of source energy together? And we're, we're really truly part of, like, you know, we're like all intertwined or like, we're like spaghetti, if you would, or whatever you want to call it. 
Um, but we really are together. And, and what, what, you know what I mean? And that's how we, that's how we group through it all. Do you think we pick up on the other people's karma and stuff like that? Or like, what's your thoughts on that? I think that's a really complicated question with a complicated answer. And everybody has their own uh, version of that. And that's changed for me as well. Really looking at how do I want to view this? I think I was quite idealistic. I think a lot of that philosophy does keep people idealistic. And I think it has to have a balance of realism. I think on that, based on realism, that we all have more similarities than we do differences. Now we're geared to look at the differences. But as human beings, we have more similarities. We are connected. And we're connected to life experiences in ways, in more, more ways than not. So based on the similarity aspect, yeah, we're all connected. How it works in the big design, I don't think anyone knows, but there is this level of humanness and spirituality that keeps us connected. Is there karmic pieces? Oh yeah. I wouldn't know how to begin to explain that. I've always believed in karma. Uh, but I don't know if something bad happened to me because I did something bad. I don't believe that. I do not believe it. I believe that the soul wants, wants new learning, wants new experiences. And they want, the soul wants to know itself in, in a greater level, at a greater level. So these things happen. I'm not a bad person that had something bad happen. I'm, I'm a really, really great person that had something really bad happen. And how can I connect? And you know, maybe that's some of it. I just thought of this. I connect deeper with people. I want to connect deeper with people. I have more tolerance for people because of what happened to me. That is growth. That makes this worth it. Yeah. Exciting. That makes, that does make it worth it. And speaking of connection, Lexa, and thank you for sharing the story with us. Speaking of connections, how do people connect with you? So when they want to get a consultation with you and just like kind of find out like, Hey, Lexa, can you help me get to the other side? I'm going through this adversity or, or whatever that may be for them. How do you, how, how would you like for them to reach out to you? Well, there's two ways. I, my email, please feel free to email me at Lexa K. Rollins, and that's L-E-X-A, the initial K. Rollins is R-O-L-L-I-N-S at gmail.com. And I do have a website that is being developed. Uh, it's LexaRollins.com. So www.Lexa, L-E-X-A. Rollins, R-O-L-L-I-N-S, dot com. Uh, the two primary ways. Thank you very much. And everybody, this is Lexa Rollins. And remember, this is a primary story and a prime example of it's not so much what happens in your life, it's how you react to it. And if I didn't say it before, it's not so much what happens in your life, it's how you react to it. And you've seen somebody react to it in a way that, you know, a lot of people may not have reacted to in, 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 in a very different situation. So, Lexa, thank you very much for sharing that with us. We look forward to your show. 
Um, I can't wait to hear more and more of it because I know you got some incredible guests coming on that can inspire people and also, again, help people get to the other side of what's going on through life because I think we all live this this way. So, um, anyway, thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. And you'll be hearing Lex's show shortly. And, you know, tune in, tune in often. Tell all your friends about her. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be a good time. Thank you very much, Lex, for being here today with me. Thanks. You know, Jay, I love bantering with you. So this has been fun. Thank you for taking the time to listen. To <laughs> You're story. welcome. I appreciate you, it. It's, 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 it's always <laughs> so good to me. It's all, it's all, hey, hey, listen, you know, I call this therapy, Lex. You know what I mean? It's, it's literally, it's like therapy. You know what I mean? It's, it's great. It's like we, we, and I think, and I think every human being has to do this. They have to, they have to connect with someone that they feel connect. connected with and talk through it, right? I think it's, I think it's therapy for both, for every party involved. I think it's amazing. And thank you for giving that to me today. Thank you. Thanks, Jay. We'll talk to you soon. You're welcome. You're welcome. We'll see, we'll see you next time, everybody. And remember, tune in to this amazing show, okay? Okay. Talk to you soon. Hi, this is Lexa Rollins with Embracing Your Spheres of Influence, and today I have a very special guest co-host, Jay Mata. Hi, Jay. How are you? Lexa, how are you? I'm doing great. How's life in Florida? It's hot right now. It's hot right now. It really is. It's like, uh, you know, it's like, you know, it's about a, about 108 degrees right now. Woo, that's hot. It doesn't say, doesn't say it on TV, but it really is like that, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's been hot here in Denver, but not quite that hot. So I'll take what we have. Actually, today's kind of chilly, but fall is in the air here. But I want to, Jay, I want to tell you a little bit of our, our guest today. Her name is Hollis McCullum, and Hollis enjoys expressing herself through many different creative mediums, including writing and drawing and dancing. She loves animals and helping others. So when she isn't working on her next creative process, she's working on animals and volunteering, which is so cool, Hollis. Stricken with a terrible case of wonderlust, traveling is her happy place. And she will not stop until she's seen everything, not once, but twice. Having been raised a Navy brat and spent seven years as an immigration officer in the world of higher education, much of the world has already been seen, but it's never enough. Hi, Hollis. Welcome. Oh, hi. Thank you for the introduction. Nice to see you. Or, well, or to hear you, rather. I'm, I'm here in Georgia myself. <laughs> where, where are you at in Florida? In Georgia, so it's it's oh, not quite as hot yeah. as where AJ is, but we're we're pretty warm. We're pretty warm. Yeah, <laughs> good. You you guys usually have good weather too out there, right? Usually. You don't have the winter and summer or winter snow, all that. It doesn't good get stuff. too snowy. It can get pretty cold, but not nothing serious. The the summers are are really the thing that you need to tolerate here. They're similar to Florida, though not as extreme. Yeah, that's, that sounds good to me. We get this extreme, I think, but I'm a wimp when it comes to snow. But anyway, Hollis, <laughs> uh, 
Jen, you know, I like to start my show off uh, asking you to give us about two minutes of how you got started and how did you mm-hmm. get to where you are today. Okay, well, let me think. So how I got started as an author is is really just sort of something I always wanted to do. I always enjoyed writing. I wrote my very first book, which is unpublished. Trust me, it's terrible. When I was 12 years old, <laughs> it's awful. I have it in a box somewhere, and I look back on it every now and again and cringe, but it's still... It's still nice to say, hey, look, I still finished something. Twelve. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so that, I I just enjoy writing. I've always enjoyed writing. I enjoy being creative, as you you, uh, said, you know, via my bio. I'm... I'm a creative person. I do a lot of different things. I'm not necessarily great at all of it, but I enjoy all of it. And uh, other than that, I, you know, grew up traveling around a lot. My father was a um, Navy officer. He's retired now. And then just my parents always encouraged us to, my, my brother, sister, and I, I'm the youngest of three. My parents always encouraged all three of us to embrace our creativity and to follow uh, those paths, whatever we felt most passionate about. You know, they, they wanted us to do well and succeed in life, but they wanted us to be really happy, too. So they encouraged us toward paths that would hopefully do both. <laughs> and um, yeah. and it was, it was a really, I, I have, I've had a great life. I went to university at Kennesaw State University here in Georgia and got my degree in um, history with specialization in ancient cultures, particularly the Etruscans of ancient Italy and um, the medieval Europe as well, uh, though I'm much more ancient cultures focused. And uh, yeah, then I then I moved around abroad a bit, came back to the U.S. and got a job at Kennesaw State University as the immigration officer for the campus. So, wow! <laughs> yeah, wow, that is diverse. That is yeah, it was great. Fun. Well, now, I see that you're an Etruscan expert. What the heck is an Etruscan? So the Etruscans, um, (laughs) they are the ancient culture of Italy. Uh, The the Romans, of course, are also another ancient culture of Italy, but the Romans are after the Etruscans. The Etruscans came first, and they were actually the builders of Rome. Uh, and then the Romans uh, took all of the the things that the Etruscans taught them, uh, and since the Romans strongly disagreed with several social points that the Etruscans had in their culture, one of which was gender equality, Etruscans were actually gender equality, and uh, and they they had a lot of different social philosophies which seem much more modern if you were to take a lot of Etruscan philosophies from. Three to five thousand years ago, you would find that they parallel a lot of our modern ideals about how people should behave. <laughs> um, but the Romans didn't like that. The Romans uh, were not uh, that advanced socially, and um, so after they, after the Etruscans took them from being sheep herders and built them a city and taught them how to make fire, essentially, the Romans committed genocide and um, and took over everything and uh, tried to erase the Etruscans from the history books, mashed everything. The Greeks helped. The Greeks also hated the Etruscans for the same cultural difference reasons. Well, the Athenian Greeks 
Sparta, Sparta in uh, the Etruscan culture was actually uh, pretty pretty okay. They actually had some similar ideals, but the the Athenians and um, and the Romans were not friendly. <laughs> but they were pretty cool. They're very interesting people, and uh, they without them we wouldn't have. Um, a lot of the thing, well, a lot of the things that we give Rome credit for were actually Etruscan inventions, and that's just one of the things. But the Romans took credit for it after they after they uh, stomped them. Well, Jay, have you ever heard of the Etruscans? I never have. I never have, and it's it's, it's interesting to hear this. And, and I have to ask you, Hollis, is that you know you you <laughs> seem like you're on an on an ongoing bucket list kind of thing, right? And uh, which is, which is uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is pretty cool. And, and all these places you traveled, is there is there is there a place like just to you know before we get into obviously you know the book and you know what what you're what you want to talk about? Is there with all your traveling, is there a place out there in the world that you feel like our society as human beings should be modeled after? I mean, with all these different countries, I mean, have you found have you found that one let's call it close to utopia kind of a place, or it does not not exist? You know, in my opinion, I don't think that there's a single place that embodies that ideal, right? I, I, because that that's so subjective. You know, it, it's it, everyone has a different opinion of what they think would be ideal as far as a, a society you live in is concerned. And for me, I know where I feel most comfortable. But to speak in a generalization, I don't think that uh, this utopian sort of society exists at all nor do i think it ever could because let's face it as human beings we don't agree <laughs> we get we can get along but agreeing on everything is not something we we do and um, so i don't think that uh, that that exists but there are definitely places that i personally love to be around but and, and i feel very at home and i i would be happy to spend the rest of my life there but yeah, would you mind? Yeah, and, and, would, you, would, would you mind sharing those with us and tell us why? Yeah. Uh, well, the first one that comes to mind is actually England. I, I love I love the UK, um, and it's it's not a language thing. It's it's just a feeling. I I feel very at home there. I feel the sense of humor is very close to my sense of humor. The um, the the level of courtesy is is there. I I, I enjoy. I just, and, and you know what? The British don't have the best food in the world uh, as far as a, uh, you know, the native foods are concerned. They have some good stuff. Not Bread pudding is fa- fabulous. But uh, the, they, they, they have lots of great restaurants. <laughs> so <laughs> London's one of the best cities in the world to eat in because lots of other cultures have come in and brought their food. So it's fine. But, uh, yeah, I really love England. I love the, be- the natural beauty of the island. I enjoy the culture. I fit in in the culture. I, I feel very much at home. I People treat me the way I expect to be treated and vice versa. I just sort of fit there. And that's something I, I really enjoy. And another place I really enjoy is, um, is Japan. I, I do, I, and that's another thing. I feel oh. courtesy-wise we're on the same level. I, I love the weather. I love the people, the natural beauty of it. So many beautiful places to go hiking and, and everything. The food is fabulous. I love Japanese food. And, um, yeah, I just, and I fit in there. I, I know, I know I don't look Japanese at all, but, um, (laughs) I, I definitely 
very easily acquiesce to that culture and and uh I don't blend but but I can blend personality and cultural wise just not visually. <laughs> Have no, you spent it, a lot of time there in Japan? Sorry, Jake. I've been a few times. It's wonderful uh and I have some Japanese friends who are wonderful um and so yeah, I've spent I think the longest I was there was two full weeks. And the last okay. time I was there was 2011. It's been, oh, God, it's been so long. Where do the years go after after 30? Everything just accelerates, and you don't know when it happens. <laughs> oh, just wait. Just wait, girl. <laughs> It'll continue. Jay, what were you going to ask her? Well, I was, I was going to ask you, even though it's subjective about where, where people live at, though, but is there is there things that, from your experience in the U.K. and then Japan, that you think that us in, let's say, for example, where we're at here on the state side, that we can learn from them, uh, that you, you found something there? Maybe, you know, again, I know everybody's got their own subjective views on this, but are there things that you think that maybe we could learn just as a general society? You know, honestly, common courtesy. Uh, and I know that that might sound a little harsh, but if you, Japan is a fabulous example of this. In Japan, people are not as individualistic as a culture. Um, most Asian cultures are more focused on the harmony of the whole as, par, as opposed to them themselves personally, out for themselves. And a lot of Western cultures, the United States included, is, are highly individualistic, which means that People are more concerned with themselves instead of being courteous to others and making sure that you are are kind. Um, and, and that's not true across the board, but that's kind of the mentality. And in Japan, they the policemen don't. The only people who are even allowed to have guns are military officials. Policemen don't even have guns there. They don't need them. Uh, the people just really. They, they just don't do anything bad, you know, and not to say that they never have crime. There's certainly lots of things you can point to and say, oh, look, look, look. But the incidences of crime in Japan are so much lower, particularly violent crime, than anywhere else. And it's because the people there just have this very firm sense of being harmonious as a whole. And, and stealing is not really done there. You know, you can, my, um, my, my college roommate uh, is, is Japanese, and she and I are still great friends. But one of her culture shops when coming to the U.S. was when you are in a food court situation at the mall, for example. In Japan, you can leave your purse on a table, walk away for 10 minutes, get your food, get all the things you need, take your time, come back. Your purse will be exactly as you left it. No one will have touched it. Everything's fine, and that's the expectation. You would never, ever, ever do that in the U.S. or many other countries. But in Japan, it's assumed because stealing is wrong. You wouldn't want your stuff stolen, so why would you ever do that to someone else? Therefore, you don't steal, and that's the... You you can walk the streets of Tokyo. You don't see bikes chained up. They're just they're just there. You know, people just park their bicycles and they don't chain them up. <laughs> and, wow! And no one steals their bike. You know, because that's wrong. And and it's and if you stole someone else's bike, then you are being detrimental to society. And 
and being harmonious with society is much more important. And so that common courtesy is very important. And the Brits don't practice it as on high as as high as a level as the Japanese do, but they do have a, a better sense of being courteous and polite, I think, than yeah. um, than a lot of other cultures do, and they. Yeah, and they and they'll call you out if you don't say thank you in England. If you don't mind your really? keys and cues, as it were, they'll say, "Oh, you know, you could say thank you. What's wrong with you?" Kind of thing. <laughs> and and that, that. They, they're more abrasive, but they they will call you out if you're rude. And I appreciate that because I I think that we shouldn't forget. You know, I'm going to say this for the record. I'm going to say for the record too is like uh, uh, Hollis. I don't know if you know this. I, I was born in Liverpool, England. Oh yeah, you told me that. That's right. right. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, yep, yep. So, so I, 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 I love the culture. Miss the culture. I love stateside, though. I think we got a lot to offer her in the U.S. But I think, like, like you said, I think, I think it's pretty. I think it's, you know, it's pretty clear to say that yes, it is subjective. It's like, you know, people got to be able to grasp into what they can get to, and you know, hopefully, hopefully, they strive to do the right thing. And I've always heard the same thing because I've got friends from Japan too, and I've always heard the mm-hmm. same thing about Japan too that they really are just ex- ex- extraordinarily, you know what I mean, just just very service, very you know, very giving oriented, you know. So you know, I mean, take what you want and throw the rest away, right? Right, exactly, exactly. And and there are certainly negative and positive points to every culture on the planet, and it's just what's your preference, <laughs> you know what. What's a negative that you don't care that much about, and and where are your positives um, accentuated? And that and that's the place for you. <laughs> I agree, and I also agree that life is a lot easier when courtesy and politeness is a part of our everyday culture, which I believe we've lost a lot of that, especially since. You know, I was raised, I'm a bit older, and that was such a huge part of our of our family structure. But anyway, mm-hmm. Hollis, let me go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about your book, To Save a World. I really want to hear a little bit about that. So okay. give me five minutes, and we'll be back with you. And we're back with Hollis McCollum, who wrote a book, To Save a World. Hollis, tell us a little bit about this book. Well, thank you for asking. Um, So, To Save a World is uh, a fantasy adventure novel, and it has a little bit of a romantic subplot because I think we all enjoy a bit of romance in our lives. I know I certainly do, which is probably why I wrote it in there. (laughs) But... uh, Basically, the, um, the, the starter point for the book as a, as a whole is that it is, takes place in a fantasy world called Rashan. That's the name of the planet. And in this, or on this planet, uh, there were all of these gods. And many, not too many years ago, about a generation previously, the gods got into what's called the Heavenly Wars, and they killed each other off. 
And now there is nothing governing the natural flow of the planet, meaning seasons have no meaning. Um, mountain ranges could pop up overnight or disappear into the sea the next day. It's utter chaos. And the planet is obviously dying because if you don't have proper seasons, your crops are failing and people can't eat and, and, and just various other things, you know, it, it would be awful to live in a place where it's sweltering hot for a day and a half, and then all of a sudden, bam, it's a 30 below, and icicles are forming oh. on your nose. And it's, it's really, really ridiculous. Um, so initially, the couple of the main characters set out to help their people, um, because the, the scope of the book obviously broadens <laughs> to the whole world. As the story goes on, but initially the the main concern is just okay. We have to save our people, and so they go forth to find um, to find an artifact that they believe will help them. And then through finding this artifact, they they pick up a couple more the other two main characters and a few others, and they also learn that there is a prophecy that they all unluckily get to be a part of where they are actually meant to restore the balance to the natural way of things. And, um, and they do have a choice. The characters, it's also a coming-of-age story for the characters, they have a choice not to do it. They, they can do the selfish thing. They have the opportunity to say, I'm not going to do it, I'm just going to live out the rest of my life, and, um, and to heck with everything else. But uh, they make the right choice, uh, which is the harder choice for those particular characters, and will involve an incredible amount of self-sacrifice from them while they're trying to learn who they are, which is wonderful, very, very tumultuous emotionally for them. And, um, and they, they go forth and, uh, you know, I don't want to spoil the ending or anything, but, uh, yeah. but, but things work out for Rashawn. <laughs> Oh, my God, that is amazing. That sounds fascinating. What do you think of that, Jay? I love that. I love that. So, so Hollis, you, you, you're, you're a military brat, right? Yes. Yeah, thank you. First of all, thank you for your family's service. We appreciate that. Really, yeah. Really oh, nice. well, thank yeah. you. Well, thank you. I will let my father know, and, and my um, I'm actually, yeah. uh, I'll let my grandparents know and all that, too, because I, I'm, I'm a military brat on both sides going back about three generations. So I will, I will definitely let them know. Thank you for that. Wow. You're, well, you're, well, you're quite welcome. And again, thank you. But so, is that where you get this? Like, you know, just like, hey, I got to see it all. Is that is that where you is that where you think this all came from, or do you think it came from something else? I mean, was it something that was from your family, or is this something that was designed? You think that was designed by your own inner species, if you would. Um, my yeah, I think I think it's a combination, a little bit of both. I, I since I I was born into it, um, traveling seems much more natural for me because I started my life that way. And um, it's not at all scary. But I think even if I was born into a situation where, you know, it was just like a, a non-military family, you know, a, a family that has a, a home and, and then, uh, you know, stays in one place for 30 years or wherever, uh, which I just can't comprehend as a person. But that, you know, I know most other people do that. Um, it's, I, I think <laughs> I would still have the itch. I think I would still want to, to travel, but I, I think it's, Amped it up, amped up the natural tendency in me to to want to see the world a bit more. I, I like how you roll here, and I like the I like the inspiration you're giving 
people like as for you know again like and I, I said this to you previously in, in earlier in the show as far as like you're just you're just on this ongoing bucket list to put it as an analogy if you would you know um, <laughs> you, you know what what advice would you give to you know let's call it the new millenniums or the new people coming out here you know our new breed of people if you would what would you say to them would you mm-hmm. say that what you know how, how would you how would you suggest that they need to follow direction now well, honestly, one of the biggest things is the simplest thing, and that is simply be kind, be respectful. No matter where you go on the planet, if you are kind and you are respectful, then you're going to do just fine. And don't, don't allow yourself to get heated or upset about something that you simply don't understand. If you feel yourself getting confused, don't get emotional about it. Because some people have a negative reaction to confusion, which causes a lot of uh, strife between cultures and countries uh, in our world, in my opinion. And I think if we just, when we're personally traveling abroad and we don't understand something or we, um, we don't necessarily get something, I think we need to take a breath, analyze the situation and say, okay... That thing they just said seemed or did seems offensive to me, but wait a minute. What does their body language say to me? What does their face say to me? And and maybe I can just ask them what it means because they know I'm not a part of their culture, but I can still be kind. I can still be respectful. And by asking them what something is, even if it offends you, it gives them the opportunity to enlighten you about something that you didn't know about before. And it also gives you the opportunity to enlighten them and you can laugh about it and you can say in a nice way, oh, now that I understand that, but hey, if you ever go to the United States, just so you know, you don't want to do that or something like that. And, and, then, <laughs> and then we can foster some understanding. But yeah, don't, don't be a jerk is really the, the main rule. And and take a breath. Don't get so easily offended because 99.9% of the time, people are not trying to offend you. That is what I have found in traveling around. I've been to, hold on, one, two, three, four. I've been to five continents and it's, oh no, six. Sorry, I hit Australia. I haven't been to Antarctica. That's the one I missed. Uh, so I've been to, you know, in, in, wow. in all those places that, yeah. That it's just, just take a pause. If you find yourself getting emotionally riled by something, instead of reacting to it in the moment, be mature enough to take a breath and say, "Wait a minute. Do I have the, do I have the right to be a jerk right now? Or, or even if I have the right to be a jerk right now, would this situation be much better handled by me simply?" taking a breath and being kind and, and saying, hey, you know, I, I just don't get what that means. Could you explain it, please? And because they're not trying to offend you in, again, 99% of the cases that I personally have been involved in, people are not trying to be jerks to you. A lot of the time they're trying to joke with you and you just don't get their humor. But if they're trying to joke with you, that means that they're inviting you into their culture in a way that, that you haven't been invited before. And that's, that's kind of an honor. That's really nice. That's excellent advice for any age. Really, you know, we, we get wrapped up in this uh, culture with so much to do. And, 
you know, just always go, go, go. That people can become really impatient and frustrating and road rage. And there's all these areas where we totally forget to be kind and respectful. So I want to take that and really promote your book because I think your your book really (laughs) promotes that concept too. So where it can does people actually. find yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Like that. Where can people find it? I'm sorry, your book? I cut you off. <laughs> uh, they can yeah. they can find it um, on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, you can also just Google it if you Google "To Save a World" by Hollis Joe McCullum. Uh, you're going to find a lot of results. I've I've Googled myself a few times because of course we do that. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> And I very happily can say that the first three pages of Google results are my social media links where you can purchase the book and book reviews and blogs that have featured my book. So, um, so yeah, that's, you can find it yeah. all there. And, um, and you can also walk into any bookstore in the world and just order it. If you, if you rather would not go through the way of the Internet, um, you, can, you can walk into a Barnes & Noble and say, hey, here's the name and title of a book or the author name and the, the title of the book I'd like, and they'll order it for you. And, and then you can just get a copy that way, too. It is on the uh, International Ingram list, which, which is uh, a, the list of books that all the booksellers in the world uh, order from. <laughs> really? Great, Hollis. Yes, and I did, by the way, do a Google check on you, and you have a wonderful list of reviews and checked oh, all your... You your wonderful social media, so you're very well connected. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking the time with me this morning to talk and just to tell people a little bit about who you are, all your travels. I love your message of kindness and respect. And I'm going to get that book and read it. So, Oh, I, I hope so. And please, please let me know how, what you think of it. I, I, love, I love feedback, and I love to know who everyone's favorite character is because they're – I, I like to see who people relate to the most. <laughs> exactly. And I love a tinge of fantasy, so that, that'll be fun to, to do that. Yeah, well, so, thank you so thank much you, for Hollis. your time today. Yes, and I want to have you back. So oh, I, I, I love will that. Be. Thank you. Good. Yeah, let's keep promoting this. I'll have you back. And, Jay, do you have any final comments? Hollis, again, I love how you roll. I love, I love the ambition you're putting out there. I love the way you're setting a new precedent. I love the way you're setting a new bar for how people should live. And I think you're a great example for, I really truly think that you're a great example of how people should really maneuver through life right now. And uh, you're, again, you're setting a new bar for people. And uh, let's, let's just hope and that they, they follow that. And uh, more importantly, let's hope that they, uh, you know, they, they, they buy your book all day long, right? So there you go. So I thank you, Hollis. Well, well, thank you. Yeah, and I, let's let's just make sure everybody knows I'm not perfect. I I know these things because I've made mistakes. Just FYI. But thank you. <laughs> well, it's okay. But at least, but at least, but at least, but at least you're taking the steps, and that's that's courage, and that's what that's what yes. I think that the that's a, that's the thing here. It, it's a courage that you're taking, which is impressive. So thank you, Hollis. It's great to connect with you. You too. Thank, thank you, you Hollis. Both of you. Have a fabulous day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. 